Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this is a podcast that is encouraging you to step outside. If that's literally stepping outside and running 100 miles, like today's guest, or simply just going on a hike, looking at some butterflies, or figuratively stepping outside your comfort zone, doing something maybe you're intimidated by, maybe you're scared by. Today's guest is Natalie Larson. She is the only other ultra runner I know from my hometown of Muscatine, Iowa. And currently she lives in the ultra running mecca of California. If you've never even heard of ultra running, or can't fathom running 100 miles, you're not in a rare club because it is kind of a niche community of maniacal, but super chill and super nice endurance athletes. Natalie hasn't only ran 100 miles, she's ran 100 miles a lot of times, and she's actually won a few of those races. So needless to say, I was absolutely fascinated by this conversation and really excited to just geek out over ultra running. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation, today's episode. Um, You can find all of our episodes at Like a Bigfoot on iTunes or go to Like a Bigfoot group on Facebook. Um, I'm trying to do more with that. And if you guys have any recommendations for guests, send them my way. This is a <laughs> a great stepping outside my comfort zone and just talking to interesting people. That's kind of the whole purpose for me um, for even starting this podcast. So here you have it, Like a Bigfoot podcast number 11, Natalie Larson. So I have so many questions to ask you about all these races, but number one is how freaking hard is 100 miles? <laughs> um, it's definitely, the first one was harder than I thought it would be. And I remember afterwards I like went to the hotel and I sent a message to all my friends who were training for it. I'm like, this is a lot harder than you think it is. So like, just be prepared for a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, cause I've, I think, oh, I'm sorry. I've talked to people was, during my 50 mile and they're like, if you can do 50 miles, you can do a hundred easily. And I'm like, that's double. Like, can you guys do math here? This is yeah. twice as hard. <laughs> I mean, I can and on the one hand, I agree with them that like, yeah, if you can do 50, you can do a hundred. But on the other hand, it's like, you just have to mentally be prepared for it not to be easy unless maybe you like are naturally really gifted or something. But for me, I remember the first one I did, well, I did, I was also a grad student, so I didn't really do all the training that maybe I should have. I had like about three or four 80 mile weeks and I would do like 50 miles on the weekends, like a 30 and a 20 on Saturday okay. and Sunday. It's like a double. And yeah. But that's about the extent of my training for the first, and I had already done, I guess, two 50-mile races before that. But other than that, that was my training. And at the end of it, well, they made a mistake in my first 100 with the timing, and I knew I had two laps. It was a loop course, and um, the loop was about two miles, and I knew that I had two laps left. And I got there to the timing station, and they said, oh, this is your last lap. So I like dropped all my food and sprinted <laughs> and I got back around and they're like, everyone is super solemn. And they're like, we're sorry, but we made a mistake and you still have to do another lap. And I just started crying because I was <laughs> so tired. You know, like as I soon thought- as you left the aid station after they told you one lap, like two minutes later, they're like, wait a second, did we just say one lap? <laughs> Someone go get her. <laughs> Yeah, they probably, 
I think they, they did feel really bad. Actually, one of the people was like, do you just want to call it? Let's just give her the hundred. And then his girlfriend was like, no, she'll always know in her heart that she didn't do it. So Is his that... girlfriend went out with me and like walked to the last lap. But I was like limping and crying. And that was my first hundred mile experience. But... How, how long was and... the lap? I think it was like 2.2 miles. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. And then actually a year later, I went back to the same course and I set the course record. (laughs) And I think I was like nine hours faster. Nine? (laughs) That's like the crazy. Okay. Okay. Oh my God. I have so many questions. Um, Okay. (laughs) So let's like start at the beginning. When did you start running? ultra races or any races i guess like as a like child growing up i did like some running like little kids races and then in high school i did one year of cross country although i was really academic so i I didn't like taking the time to go to meet so i did like one meet and i think i got seventh and then I just, like, I trained with the team, but I didn't do the meets. And then in college, I did one year cross-country again, but I didn't do the meets. I just trained with them. And then a couple years later, I, like, I was thinking about being a nun, actually. (laughs) And I, like, (laughs) so, (laughs) so I, like, completely left school and joined this monastery. And then, um... After a summer there, I realized I could go back to college and ended up just going back to college and leaving the monastery. But my aunt and uncle were visiting um, Muscatine when that happened. And my aunt was like, I think you should run a marathon to, like, get over this experience and have a new goal. And and I, like, wanted to prove to her that I could do it. So I, like, she got me, like, the training schedule, like, from Hal Higdon. And I think it took, like, 16 weeks and signed up for a marathon and then did it. And I remember, like, I couldn't walk for three days, like, after the first marathon. <laughs> what marathon was it? But um, it was a small one in Iowa. I think it was, like started with an M, like Mason City or Madison, something. It was really small. Okay. And then I did, yeah, a few more marathons. And then, like, I think it was, like, three years later, I qualified for Boston. And then I took a little bit of a break from running because I was in this really intense uh, second undergrad program and double majoring in math and computer science and then interning at Harvard and NASA and MIT and just just and then, just like um, breezing by those details. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no biggie, whatever. MRT, Harvard, oh. NASA. <laughs> I do have questions about that though. Um I don't know if there was some article written recently and this is how my brain works. I remember reading the article and like the headline and I don't remember the rest, but it was talking essentially about how there's so many scientists in ultra running. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. What do you think? Like, I mean, you you're more involved in the community at this point. So do you see that a lot or like, um, grad students or PhD people or. I guess like I have noticed like some, I didn't realize I wouldn't have thought it, um, like it would have been like a, I guess maybe it's disproportionate, like the number that are in ultra running, but yeah, I have seen um, some, or people that are into, like, long-distance hiking, endurance type of stuff, but I still feel like some of the computer science stuff I did was, like, harder than any <laughs> race that I've run. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess the article is um, kind of theorizing that it's the correlation is because so many people with these minds that are, like, constantly thinking about every single thing just needs some time to shut off and people find that ultra running is a great way to turn your mind off for a while um i don't know if you've experienced that or um yeah i think like yeah i guess since so i've been waiting for this security clearance to work for the navy for a year 
and like while I've been waiting I don't they've been like paying me to wait so I'm not working which is nice but now it's like before running was like an escape but now it's like (laughs) so I can kind of see how like um yeah back when I was in grad school and I was always like busy and thinking it was it was like um, a nice contrast like a break almost I know for me like I taught eighth graders and if you've ever taught 14 year olds you need a break before you go home so it would be my hour of the day where I could just not think about kids or anything during that time so um it was like it's it's like I need it for my soul almost (laughs) as silly as that sounds but um yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, so you were in these crazy programs and you weren't running much, and then you're just like, I'm gonna yeah, sign up for then, ultra. Is that what happened? Well, basically, I, I wanted a new goal because I had already qualified for Boston, and it was like, I just, yeah, I wanted. It seemed easier, I guess, to do an ultra or just start doing longer races than to try to get faster. So I did a 50k in 2010, and then. A couple years later, when I was in grad school, there like happened to be this running club in the computer science department. So I joined that, and there are some people that were training for marathons there. And then I just wanted like another new goal, so I picked a. San Diego has like tons of races all the time, and they had a 50 mile race coming up. So I asked one of my friends. Um, he was actually older in the the San Diego like running club thing that I was also a part of. But so he was like, okay, sure. I'll train with you for this thing. And, and then I think there was another person I knew too, that was training for the San Diego 50 that year. So the three of us ran it and finished it. And then the next year, um, some friends of those friends started like this trail running club And so together, like we all decided we want to do, wanted to like train for a hundred mile race together. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's how I got started. And then I got like super into it and, and well, last year was my first year doing hundred mile races. And I think I did seven. (laughs) (laughs) Most people do like one a year, maybe. I know. So what made you? What, what made you just? Yeah, just each time you finish, you're like, "Well, I'm gonna look up another one right now, immediately," or. I think. Well, I did like I did. Um, the first one was the jackpot, uh, 100 in Las Vegas that I told you about, and then uh, I did that one because one of my friends was doing that one, so I knew somebody there, and then. Um, we all together, my group was trained for the San Diego 100, so I had to do that one too. And <laughs> <Nice>. then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just peer and pressure, then... right? Or... <laughs> yeah, well, I had already signed up for it a long time ago. That was the original one we were all training for, but then I was just excited to do one, so I guess that's why I did the other one sooner. Um, and then, yeah, I like... In Southern California, there are a lot of ultra runners, and I guess I was also inspired by, um, I mentioned, I think, before we started recording, but Ed Edinghausen, the jester who has the world record for the most 100-mile races in a year, and he would do one, like, every weekend, and so I was like, it can't be that hard. Maybe I could do one every weekend. (laughs) And then I ended up doing six in eight weeks. And then I got injured after that. I had to quit. But what what got? Oh, is that the injury we were talking about before with your hamstring or? No, different a different injury. That one. So I did six hundreds in eight weeks, and I think it was going to be like the seventh in nine weeks. And I made it to like mile forty-two or something, and had to quit because my foot was just like really hurting. And then I got an MRI, and they said I. Probably they couldn't see the fracture line, but they thought it was a stress fracture okay. and a torn tendon. But yeah. So 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 what what like you ran your first hundred? What lessons did you take away? Because I gotta imagine by six or seven you're you're doing pretty good. Like how was the first <laughs> one? You were you were 
win in the first one, were you? Or were you just, like, naturally? No, okay. no, the first one I finished, I think I was, like, above average in the first one, but kind of, like, I can't remember. I could look on Ultra Science, maybe, like, 50 or, six, like, 60th percentile or okay. something like that. But, yeah, and then I guess lessons, like, I took away from it. Just know, I knew what to expect, I guess, for yeah. the next one. That was going to be really hard. And um, and then, yeah, I guess maybe, like, what to bring. I, I kind of am a minimalist, though, with so far anyway, but uh, I don't like to bring a lot of stuff, and I don't really have pacers. Although there was one race when um, – I was like alone in this race in a different state that I don't live in. And I was trying to win the race and some nice guy just like jumped in and paced me for the oh, last nice. like 50 miles. He was Kirby Russell is his name, but he was the nicest guy. Yeah. And he like, I ended up winning that race. What state was that? that? Was, what race was that? Uh, Georgia. And it's called Merrill's mile. And okay. it's like a one mile loop, okay. 24 hours. Oh, wow. Okay. So how, okay. So I've never done one of those races where it's 24 hours and like short mileage for loops. Does your brain just kind of start tuning everything out or, cause I think I would get bored when I'm doing those races. That's what a lot of people say, but I mean, at the beginning when I wasn't really trying to win, I was just like trying to finish the, the race. Like I would just talk to people the whole time and it was just really fun to like, talk to people and um but then like the race where i went back and set the course record I like a, this clip and i hardly talked to anyone the whole time and i just listened to my music the whole time <laughs> but i kind of uh, yeah i kind of like tuned out everything else and just was focusing on the music and that was entertaining enough i guess yeah um, okay, so do you have any tricks that you do running those to, uh, I guess, stay entertained? Or Yeah, I mean, if you're just trying to finish the race, like, having people to talk to definitely helps. And even the race, when I was listening to my music, I knew a lot of people there, and it was nice just to, like, say, like, hi, as I was running by them. Yeah. Um, I also, for that race... Like, that was the first race that I didn't eat very much. I only had one cookie. That was the only solid food for the whole 100 miles. And then I had, like, beet juice, cherry juice, perpetuum at the beginning, maybe, like, for 30 miles. And then I, my stomach started to feel weird, so I switched to Mountain Dew and water. <laughs> and that's all I had So the race. That's what people don't understand. Like, if you're doing an ultra, you're drinking... Regular sugar-filled Coca-Cola and ginger ale. Ginger ale is my jam in ultra running. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I just eat all all the food I see, like nonstop. Just anything goes in. I don't regulate it. I will like if they have a quesadilla, that's going in. M and M's, whatever. So, so you don't do that. More. Well, I did at the begin, at like the first few that I ran. Yeah. And then I guess I was I started reading about people, um, like Zach Bitter, uh, who has like the hundred mile record, American record now, and um, there are other people, but people ultra runners that were going low carb, okay. and then they didn't have to eat as much during the race. I guess was the idea. And so I kind of tried to do that when I was training for um, jackpot this year when I did so well. And I guess partly because I was trying to lose a little weight to be faster, but I like cut out all carbs and except fruit. I still ate fruit. So it wasn't like truly like the optimized fat metabolism thing. But um, and then during the race, I had all the Mountain Dew, but (laughs) But yeah, I, I guess like there was another race that I did this year, the Beyond Limits 100 mile race. And I was like tired going into it because I had already been racing a lot. And so I did end up like eating more because I was like going, 
more slowly, but yeah, I ended up winning that one too, though. So <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Actually, that one I beat all the guys too. Did you really? That was the only. Yeah, that's the only one. How? Where I've won. Okay, so how do you celebrate the end of a race? I mean, usually I'm just too tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Good point. Anything. Good point. I didn't think, like, I guess it's 100 but, miles. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes people, like, will have, like, a beer or something afterwards, and if there's, like, other people hanging out, I'll, like, hang out with them and do that. Um, for some of the wins over this or last this year, um, we used to like have dinner sometimes at this one couple's house that were in the, the original group that I trained with. And so that was sort of like my celebration, I guess, oh, hanging out with those people. You obviously have like a very competitive drive. Um, is that something that's been around since, you know, you're young playing tennis for my mom, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was for some reason, I wasn't that competitive in tennis. Like I was competitive, like with academics, I was the valedictorian, uh, in high school and found a mistake on a national standardized test. And like, I was the captain of the cheerleading team, I guess with cheerleading, I was competitive, but, um, but for some reason, not with tennis and then not really with cross-country. Although I always, like, admired the cross-country runners. Maybe I w- wished that I would have, like, yeah. done cross-country. <laughs> but So why ultras, then? Why? I mean, you're obviously competitive if you're winning these. Yeah, I guess... Well, at first, I just want, I just thought it would be, like, so amazing just to finish one. And then um, when I went back to, well, I guess, I guess I was competitive. That Merrill's Mile race that I won surprised me. I didn't think I could win them, I guess, or, or, or that soon. And I got third place, I guess, the race before that, too, in a 24-hour race. But, um, and then I guess once I started, you know, placing then it motivated me to train harder and try to do better and I started getting to know like the people who won the local races around here and was like inspired by them and and then um started running with like with Ed the jester and then um this Eric Clifton who set all these course records in the 90s and he lives nearby too and uh yeah, I went at, when I went to Jackpot. I wasn't really, I wasn't expecting to win at all. I was, my goal was like maybe 21 or 22 hours, because that would have been a PR. But uh, my watch, like, I thought it was charged, and then I got there, and there's no battery. So I like, I just did the whole thing by feel, and I just felt really good. And people were telling me like, oh, you're going too fast. You're going out too fast. But I was like, well, I. I feel good. I'm just going to go at my own pace. <laughs> and then it ended up being like 17:24. So, which wow. would, I guess it lacked, it would have been like the 11th best female time last year. But then this year, I don't know what it'll end up being. But. Yeah. Wow. That's so, okay. So you mentioned yeah. going from doing that 24 hour or wait, Maybe not 24-hour event, but the one where you gain nine hours in a year. How, oh, yeah, that one. How exactly did you do that? Just, like, more focused training? Or can you explain your training plan a little bit? Or, I mean, or it's diet? weird. You didn't really have a plan. <laughs> That's the best way to go. No plan. Yeah. <laughs> it started, I guess, maybe it actually helped that I did all of those hundreds back-to-back. Cause it like strength before I got injured. Um, cause I did all of those and I got injured and I was only off for like a couple months. It didn't take long for me to heal. I just like took some time off, did some swimming. I did this artist residency in Vermont and slept a lot. We mostly like drank a lot there mm-hmm. and slept a lot. But, but anyway, after like two months I was recovered and then, 
um, I did like a fast 50K and then a fast 50-mile race. The 50-mile race was like three weeks before the 100, and then I did the 100. And Yeah, but the doing all the 100s back-to-back, like, it was definitely painful. Like, I remember a couple of the races just, like, crying toward the end because it was like so much pain but but maybe that's what made me stronger i don't know <laughs> like you maybe your body just adapted to the amount of uh exercise you were putting I, on it like yeah like my muscles or like the tendons like maybe it just or my cardiovascular system like maybe it just made me stronger doing all those races back to back then i took some time off was all healed up and then after that I guess I like I wasn't trying to get faster but I ended up like um one of my friends from the group in San Diego he like had been getting like top five in all of his races and there was like this ultra running magazine contest so like they like average all of your like race scores somehow and then they pick like the top 10 people and like you got something for free and anyway so this other guy that I knew was like doing really well in that contest and I so that motivated me to want to like see how well I could do in the contest so I like would just like go out hard and then just keep up the pace for like a, a 50, the 50k that I did and then the 50 mile and then I did I did like a half marathon locally and a couple of like 5k's and I think like working on my speed because I had not I hadn't really before that been like doing shorter distances or speed work or anything so I think probably that helped doing and then I started doing a track workout too yeah that was local once a week yeah what do you do on the track so I think um, I can't even remember. It was like the Riverside Roadrunners group and they would just like tell you what to do when you got okay. there and it'd be like some kind of I don't even know what it was, some kind of sprinting things like once a week I would do that with them. I would usually it was funny that I'd usually run like twenty miles before I got there and then do the sprint. Cause my I guess my goal with the training too um was to do like twenty miles a day. So I did, I did speed work, I guess, and then I did um, a lot of distance because I had the time. So I would just like, yeah, go out and try to do like at least 10, if not 20 miles a day. Wow. So when you're doing these, is it mostly social or uh, not social, like you're just sitting around chatting, but I mean, are you with other people or groups? The training runs, you mean, or this? Mostly or the... like the training runs. Um, I guess I, I may be like half and half because, um, having this year, like waiting for the clearance and not working, I had a lot of free time. So it was kind of like what I would do all day is just go out and run. And that was mostly alone. Like the, it's it's weird because I, my teaching schedule last year was seven in the morning to 2 p.m. And I'd always go at 2 p.m. And, of course, no one can run with you at that time, you know. So yeah. you're just, like, forced to kind of run by yourself. But I just – I noticed I noticed a difference because if you're running with other people and they're a lot faster than you, you're going to obviously try to keep up and push yourself a lot harder. And um, it's just a little more difficult to kind of motivate yourself when you're when you're alone. Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of the slow mileage by myself, but okay. then I was running with, like, um, Eric Clifton and then um, this girl, Sarah Rush, and we would go out and do, like, tempo runs together, and that was, that definitely pushed me, too. That was good, but I agree with you. It's, like, it was, unless I'm on, like, a treadmill and I just set the pace, it's, like, harder to yeah. run when you're alone. So do you do the treadmill much? Um, I, I did, yeah, the UC Riverside school is close by, and, like, I love their gym, and, yeah, 
I don't mind the treadmill. Some people hate it, but I don't. I don't really don't mind it. Yeah. And uh, I feel like it helps me to get faster because I can just set the pace and then do that pace. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Cool. Has there been any specific moment in a in a hundred mile race where you just hit the wall and you don't know? Like, has there been like a really low, terrible moment? <laughs> Everyone loves hearing about the terrible moments. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I mean, think so because I think most people can't wrap their heads around even attempting a hundred mile. And I think you know, the natural progression is a marathon, fifty K, fifty mile, then a hundred mile. So then by that point you can kind of wrap your head around what you think the experience is gonna be like. But for most people when they hear that someone ran a hundred miles they just can't comprehend the actual specifics of the race, how fast people are going, um, you know. So they love hearing about the low moments because you just imagine the whole thing is one low moment. <laughs> you That's know true. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, there have been, diff- like, I've had really different experiences in different races based on, like, how well tapered I am and how well trained I am and, like different mental things going on, but I mean, I mean, there was one race. It, it was a 24-hour race, and ended up winning it. I only did like 92 miles, though. There wasn't much competition, but it was like I was so tired going into it. Like I knew after maybe like 40 miles that it was going to be like hard, and. Um, there was, there was, yeah, there was basically just one other girl that was my competition, and the race director told me that she was going to drop out at 100K, because I guess that's what she told him. So I was like, okay, I just have to wait for her to drop out and drop out too, and then I'll still win it and win the race. And then she just decided not to drop out and kept going, and, <laughs> oh, and I had to keep going. And so that was, uh, oops, um, I mean, I guess that was that was hard. I guess mentally to think that it, it would be done and then it wasn't, and um, just going into it being so tired. But I just like I I talked to people in that one. I found people to talk to that race. There were like some cool people in like their seventies and eighties who were trying to set like world records or national records. So they were cool to well, talk to. What was the world record they were going for? It was like either 24 hours or 12 hours or 100K or 100 mile. I can't remember. Okay. What they, I know some of them did set records at that race, so that was really cool. Wow, that's awesome. So, <laughs> I mean, when you were talking to them, did you hear any of their story? Like, did they start when they were younger or did they just start – you know, in their 60s or late later years? There, I remember there was one that, like, did cross-country in high school and running was always a part of his life. But then there's another one that one of the people that set one of the records, and he didn't start doing ultras till he was, like, in his 40s. Wow. And, yeah, and then um, he, I guess, I saw on Facebook that he's going to go back to that race again this year, and he's going to try to do... I think he said, well, he made a mistake because he said he was going to do 100 miles in 24 hours, but he meant to say 50 miles in 24 hours. But then everyone was like, you should just go for it, do 100. And so now he's like, well, maybe I'll try it. Wow. How old is he? Some 80 something, but I don't know. Yeah. What do you know his name off the top of your head? Or? Trying to remember if it's, I think it's Bill Dodson. Okay. I can check for you later, but I think that might be. That's crazy. Because yeah. 24 hours isn't a, a 24 hours is what a lot of people shoot for when they do 100, right? Yeah, it's like a pretty good time. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the type of course can make it a lot harder, easier. That's true. Do you like do you like hillier courses or flatter ones or or outbacks or what kind of what kind of courses do you do you feel like you excel on? 
I I think I'm just still trying to figure out what I like best because I've I've won like races that have that are like really hilly, but then I've also won ones that are flat and I don't know maybe the I guess I'm being from Iowa and like I didn't grow up in the mountains like the flatter courses seem a little easier and you don't have to worry about like tripping and falling but but the mountain ones seem like it's cool to see like different scenery and it's more scenic and it's just um I don't know more exciting I guess to have all the hills to run up and down but yeah, I know. I, for me, I always feel like I'm more on like a quest or like an adventure if I'm in the mountains versus yeah. versus just running on flatland or even. I guess the the shorter laps don't seem to appeal to me, even though the challenge kind of does appeal to me. But it just doesn't seem like. I don't know. I just. I think mentally it would be a lot more difficult for me to start tuning out or zoning out and um, while I'm repeatedly doing the laps. Um, yeah. Do, I, do, do a lot of the ultra community, do they feel that way or I guess different yeah. opinions? I think, yeah, there's definitely people that prefer like the flat loops and then there's like a lot of people that prefer just like point to point in the mountains and I guess, like, a dream goal of mine would be to qualify for the U.S. 24-hour team. Okay. And so they, like, race on a quarter-mile track. So. <laughs> Every yeah. time I run on the track, I have to turn on, like, angry rap music and I have to oh, sprint. Yeah. Actually, that works for me, too. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that I used to call it do something you hate Tuesdays and it would just be like, do something you hate and do it angrily and then get it over with. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So, oh man. Okay. So I guess something that would be nice is all your food, all your supplies are right there and you're passing it every single time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love that about it too. And then you can like bring whatever you want and it's nice that you don't have to carry anything because I don't like oh, carrying a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you count laps in your head or are you completely able to let that go? I just let it go. And then usually they have like a, like an electronic board that every time you cross the timing thing, then it shows you your mileage. And so I, I'll just like look at that every so often. And, um, but the, I kind of, I've only done one track race and I was like really tired going into it. So it wasn't like the best experience, but I'm not sure yeah. if it's partly because I was so tired. Yeah. Um, but I didn't mind like the two mile loop so much. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Quarter miles way too short. Two miles <laughs> might be really doable. Short. I don't know. I I I didn't realize that until after I ran that race. But I live. I just moved here, and I live like really close to a track, like less than two tenths of a mile away. There's like a track in my backyard. Oh, that that's I can, awesome. I know. So I'm like, I just need to get out there and get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> I used to run around the track by my house when my daughter was like three months old, and we're in Virginia, so it got really hot and humid um during the day so i used to wake up like well i would wake up way earlier but she would wake up at 7 30 i'd put her in the stroller and we'd go to the track and start running around it and then the whole football team would come out every single day and they're like who's this guy running his baby around the track (laughs) that's so cool yeah so we totally bonded over that me and me and the the daughter um that's so neat. <laughs> Do you have any other spl- races that are dream races for you? Yeah, like I have, I'll probably forget some of them just without having a list. But I mean, I want to do Western States. Yep. Someday, and then Badwater, if not the the uh, the the race course, then I know like you can do it on your own. Um, 
Oh yeah. But it the official one's just expensive, but I would I guess I would like to do the official one someday too. Yeah. Some people think it's too expensive, but um Well how much how much is is it? Because usually ultras are all like well in heat, so I'd like to see I, I uh crewed for somebody there this year, so I got to be there for it, but Okay. Really? It'd be interesting to do that one. And uh trying to think. It'd be cool to run across the US someday. Not for I mean, it would be cool to go for the record, but even All right, we're jumping okay. we're jumping back in. <laughs> you okay. said something about wanting to run across the United States. So Yeah. I mean it had been on my bucket list, I guess, for the last couple of years. And then at Western States this year, I paced Pete Kostelnik, who's from Iowa, too, actually. Oh, really? Where's and he then from? Boone, Iowa. Okay. Which is, like, I think it's on the west side or, like, toward the middle. Yeah, the I, did an, I did an adventure race in Boone. Uh, it was awesome. Oh. It's, like, by Des Moines, kind oh. of. Okay. Yeah. Neat. yeah. And you've heard of Pete then, right? I did, and I heard about him actually in the weirdest way possible. Um, my friend, really? Cal- yeah, my friend Calvin, uh, Calvin Johansson was on his own kind of quest this summer to do or to climb the hundred highest mountains in the continental United States. And oh, wow. on his journey, he went out to California and did a few out there. And then as he was driving back to Colorado, I think he was in Nevada or something at a gas station. He sees somebody with a Badwater 135 shirt and starts talking to him and turns out it's this guy who, um, is like scouting the route that he wants to take to try to set the record for running across the United States. Oh. <laughs> so Calvin told so that me, was Pete I think, I mean, because then, you know, a few, like a couple months later, you know, all the, Pete's journey started, and it it was Pete, because Calvin told me his website, and I remember looking up, it's like, Pete's feet or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, so you knew him, or you know him? Well, I, I didn't know him from Iowa, but um, one of my friends, well, so, like, a uh, like about a year ago, uh, Hammer Nutrition offered me this sponsorship deal, and I was thinking about if I wanted to take it. And then one of my friends was like, "Well, there's this really great athlete, Pete Kostelnik, and he's a Hammer athlete. And he, at that point, he had just won Desert Solstice. Yeah, he won Desert Solstice. So he like." And he he did, like, the most miles in 24 hours. He did the second most in the world for the whole year, I'm pretty sure. That's insane. But So, (laughs) I know. But, like, at that point, even though he did that, I guess because ultra runner or I I guess those, like, looped courses or the 24-hour races aren't followed as much as – the mountain races so like even though he won it he wasn't like super famous yet and so um and he had won bad water he won bad water last year too really but uh yeah so so i added him as a friend on facebook and then it turned out we're both from iowa and actually his wife's name is nikki larson so and i'm natalie larson <laughs> so it was, that was weird and um so I just knew him on Facebook, and then I guess he he just asked me if if I would pace him at Western States this year. I guess um, I don't know why. I, well, he said that his normal pacers he was kind of like maxed out because he was already using them for Badwater and for the run across the U.S. Oh, jeez. And like, yeah. So he was like, I don't have anybody, and then I already lived here in California, so I I didn't have to travel too far. Yeah. To pace him, but so you've been on the Western yeah, States was... course. And I mean, everyone says it's one of the most epic courses in the U.S. Did you get that feeling, or is it just because there's so many people out there? Um, I guess it, it, I didn't see the whole course because I just ended up I was injured. 
Unfortunately, so um, one of my friends paced him for the first 18, and then I did the last 20 miles. Okay. But I, yeah, I guess I got to see 20 of it. But I we saw it at night, so it was it would probably look a lot different in the daytime. <laughs> but I and I guess I crewed him though too, so I got to see the different aid stations, and it was really beautiful. But then. I guess I've seen other races like the Santa Barbara 100 and San Diego 100 that also seem beautiful. So I don't know. Maybe once I run it, I'll see how it's different. But yeah, how 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 many people have you paced before? Is that something you normally do, or is this that was my, no that that was my first time pacing somebody ever actually. Okay. So. Um, but then after that, I guess I've I've come out and like run with friends. But that was I guess it's the only official pacing. Were you a mean pacer um, or a super nice pacer? I was nice. I think I I, I was too nice because he was like he actually told me like you're being too nice. I'm like oh, I don't know how to be mean. That's not my personality. Uh, so I don't know if I'm. I don't think I'm a, like the best pacer. <laughs> I think, uh, or maybe it just depends on who you are, like what you need. But and sometimes I I don't usually have pacers myself. Because um, I think it can get annoying if if somebody's trying to tell you what to do and they're all fresh and you're tired and yeah. But I don't know. actually, well, I, at Badwater, I was supposed to pace, but I didn't actually get to because um, my runner dropped out like at mile thirty because he was injured. Oh but no. He was from Brazil, Rafael Bernardo. Yeah, he was. He and his wife were there, and they were super nice. They're like so nice and like paid for all my expenses and like um it was cool just to like be there and see everything but yeah, I felt bad for him he had to drop out but yeah you yeah. kind of wanted to probably like tag in like I'll do it <laughs> yeah that's true it would have been nice <laughs> did you end up but, sticking around for the end of bad water or after he dropped yeah well, no, he, he had, like, the, a great attitude, and he's like, well, let's, like, still have fun even though I dropped. And so we just went to the end, and then actually Pete ended up setting the new course record that year at Badwater. And so we got to see Pete win the race and set the course record, so that was wow, pretty cool. that's pretty awesome. So did you have any communication with him while he was doing his uh, run across the United States? Yeah, originally I was going to go out and, like, help him or um, just run with him in California. But then with the injury that I have, it would, like, really hurt to drive for some reason. Driving aggravated it. And, like, San Francisco is, like, six or seven hours. So, okay. it's like, well, I'm not going to make it because my legs hurt. And plus I shouldn't be running anyway because I'm injured. So, I didn't get to see him, but I mean, I told him like, "Good luck, congratulations." Yeah, but, yeah. He did like yeah. seventy some miles a day, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It was so crazy. I I don't know. It's just amazing to me. But, I just um, I can't wrap my head around doing that and having your body hold up through the whole thing. I know. I don't know how they did it. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's just amazing. I guess like, I get the theory is that you get stronger as you do it, or like at the beginning it's kind of hard, but then your body adapts yeah. and you like get used to it. And then, but I mean, I think it would be awesome to someday like try for something like that, but not not anytime soon. <laughs> well, it has to take so yeah. much planning and getting a, yeah. a team together to do it. It's not just one person. It's a whole entire team of people, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, and he really, like, organized it super well, like, with the people that he had. I knew Cinder Wolf before that, or I had heard of her, um, the massage lady. Okay. And then, yeah, but... Yeah, I remember he ta he was talking about it at Western States when I paced him, and he was actually kind of worried because he was, like, hurting after the race, and he was like, oh, man, I hope I'm going to be okay because I have this thing coming up. And then, but then he, like, recovered really fast and really well and went out and, like, three weeks later set the course record at Badwater. And then I guess healed up in time to do the whole 
crossing the U.S. thing, but yeah, he's just like super talented. It, it makes you like wonder what else he'll accomplish because he's still really young. How how old is he? I think he's like 27 or wow. 28. Yeah. Have you ever pushed it to the point of almost overtraining? Yeah, I mean, maybe not overtraining, but more over racing. Okay. Because uh, I earlier this year, um, I won like a bunch of races that were like two to four weeks apart. I was racing every like two to four weeks and like really pushing myself and, you know, like one race I set the two races. Well, one was a 5k, so that doesn't really count, <laughs> but, um, I set, the, <laughs> I set the course record at the 5k and at the hundred mile and then one hundred mile overall. That's super impressive. Well, gonna... That's like setting the course record for a 5k where you're sprinting as fast as you possibly can <laughs> and then setting the or winning the 100 mile is so impressive because it's two completely different sports i i i think yeah well the 5k so it's actually a nude 5k <laughs> so that made the like pool of people smaller <laughs> the competition but it was like it was the best time in 7 years they've had the race for 7 years but um <laughs> that was that was definitely fun, but I wasn't expecting to to set the record. I just was like <laughs> wanted to win it, and I had just won another hundred mile race overall the weekend before, and then I think I did eighty miles of training like during that week, and then the five k was just like for fun with my friends. But did you talk to any of the guys <laughs> about how uncomfortable that has to be? <laughs> Well, so that race, um, a lot of the top guys ended up for some reason on that day, like they just dropped out. And so it ended up the guy who was my real competition, um, Dan Brennan, I think was his name. He's like a famous, um, older guy. He's like 65, but he's done the grand slam, just like Western States and all the original hundred mile races, like nine times, I think eight or nine times. But so he was my real competition, and I think I passed him at like mile ninety nine point five, and he could he like looked at me and he's like, "What mile are you at?" And I was like, "This is my last one." And he just like shook his head. Passed <laughs> 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 him. Uh, oh, he was man. nice about it though. Yeah. I yeah, mean, he's it, so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I was, like, a couple miles behind him. I didn't think there was – I was, like, really tired. I was, like, oh, he can win it, and I'll just win the female race. And then my friend that I was running with had to use the bathroom, and she was, like, why don't you just try to catch him? So I was, like, okay, I might as well try. And I think the last two miles ended up being sub-eight-minute miles because I was trying to catch him (laughs) and then caught him. Oh, man. But – (laughs) <laughs> He's nice about it. That's the thing. Like the alternative community nice. is full of just so such nice people who are kind of I don't know. They're it's very they're very like, relaxed and easygoing. Yeah, this guy too. He was well, actually, like one of Ed Eddinghausen was at that race, and he was like, "Well, you could just ask him if he wants to tie." So I was like, "Well, that's a nice thing." So I said as I was, like came up to him like, "Well, we could tie," and then he was like, did, "He didn't say anything," and so I was like, "Uh oh, he's not saying anything." So I just started. I just kept running, <laughs> and then ended up winning it. But he, yeah, he was super nice. We got a nice picture together at the end, and that's awesome. Probably helped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh man. Uh. Did you just run the rim to rim to rim too? I did. Oh so you you're like, do you have like a checklist of all the things that every ultra runner wants to do, and you're just slowly checking them off? It seems. Like. I guess partly. Well, partly. Although that trip like wasn't my idea. One of my friends just wanted to do it, and so 
I'm still recovering from this injury, and so I was like, I don't know if I should go, but I just thought, like, well, why not? I'm not doing anything else, so... Um, he and he had it like all planned out and he and this other woman went and then and, and me and um, my plan was just to like turn around if my injury started hurting at any point but then it didn't really bother me so nice. so we made it the whole thing it was it was so pretty even though we did like half of it at night but it, it was still so beautiful that um, was really cool I'm sure that's a, a view of the well, I mean, not the view necessarily, but that's an experience in the Grand Canyon a lot of people don't have. Yeah. Was it, it was, is it but, challenging to find water or is there water, like places to pick up water um, along the way? I think, well, there's Phantom Ranch at the bottom and okay. I think we, we basically, we had like the camelbacks and then just took a bunch of water and then refilled at the bottom, which is. I think it's about halfway, and then um, I think that was, oh, and then, no, there were other points. Now I'm remembering. Yeah, there were other places along the trail, like a couple, like two other places, I think, that we refilled the water. Okay. So it wasn't, we didn't have to, like, use any streams or anything. They had, like, faucets of water. So. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. So I have a buddy and I kind of want to wrap this up by asking you this, but he, he's going to run his first 50 miler with me in March. And he's not, he's not necessarily a big time runner. Um, and it's monument Valley ultra run, uh, in like Northern Arizona. So it's in the desert. Do you have any advice? Like what would be some pieces of advice you would tell him? For the, his first 50, 50 miles. He did one fifty K. But he was okay. he was completely untrained. Um, he was probably like twenty pounds heavier than he normally is, and he just like oh. power he powered mind over body made it through the fifty k. Wow. wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's a great skill to have. I guess. But <laughs> I, yeah, I guess like what you said about the training. If you just um, it seems like a lot of those training schedules online are pretty similar and that's basically what I use is one of those to train for my first 50 miler but if you put in the training and just the more like long runs that you can do the better I think and um yeah I guess water is important in the desert personally I I don't like to carry very much water and I don't usually need to drink that much water but most people like to have, um, I guess, extra water just in case. But actually, I heard on some other podcast recently they had like Phil Mafetone on there, and I th- I thought they were talking about how it's not actually so bad to be dehydrated or during a race, or like you can you can still make it through. I guess as long as you don't have like heat stroke or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess water is probably important, and like nutrition, especially if you're if it's just your first one, you're not like trying to set any like course records. Then yeah, probably don't go out too fast. I mean, for me, like that's when I started to get good was when I started going out fast and then just like keeping the pace up the yeah. whole time. <laughs> but if it's your first one, I would say like take it easy, like. Eat, eat a lot, drink a lot. Because, yeah, actually, I have seen people. I was in one race, and these two girls I was running with, I got ahead of them, and then I found out later that they, like, right after I got ahead of them, they both fainted, like, in the same 10-mile range. Yeah. Because they weren't eating and drinking enough. And, yeah. So, actually, yeah, you want to be careful about that. One of them, like... Yeah, she. It, I was with her, and she was like barely eating or drinking. It was weird. I don't. I, to me, it's like I don't understand why people wouldn't try to eat and drink yeah. the whole time. But yeah, it is an excuse Unless to maybe, just eat junk food if you're me. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Maybe that's like, <laughs> and like it doesn't bother me to be eating like Oreos and Mountain Dew. Oh my God! So but, I I did a race, and my stomach was just killing me during this race and I remember trying to eat one Oreo for 20 minutes 
Oh, and I could really? not. Yeah, I just, it was oh, the no. only time this ever happened, but I just could not keep food down. And I mean, not that I was like throwing up or anything, but it felt like it could happen at any moment. And just nibbling on this Oreo for 20 minutes and then in defeat, throwing it to the side <laughs> after I could. Uh, yeah. So. I guess that's, so that's something I haven't had problems with nausea or not, or like uh, throwing up or anything. So maybe I guess if, if you're nauseous and then, then it makes eating hard, but I, I know like some people, I guess, I don't know if it would be like illegal in the race, but they get like this anti vomiting medication from uh. their doctor like just in case so that's one thing but i uh i think it makes you like really sleepy so (laughs) you don't throw up but you might be really tired you're stumbling through the course wow okay Uh, i've never tried that myself but but some of my friends have have tried it zofran i mean if you're just experiment like the whole thing is you know through the more ultras you run, the more you figure out what works for you. And so it's kind of one big experiment in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, like the Coke or Mountain Dew, just like fizzy pop, like that is what my stomach does really well on. Yeah. And then I'll take like Hammer, like some of their supplements during the races. They have like some racing supplements. I've taken those too, like the Endurolites and something else. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, I've been taking, I I take those pretty much every single race. Um, But like I said, I I haven't really fully figured it out because that race was pretty terrible stomach wise. And the race before that, I don't even want to get into, but it was pretty terrible stomach wise. <laughs> oh, that sucks. If that's like the thing that's holding you back is your stomach. It might be. Oh. Yeah, it might be. Oh, cause that's the one thing. I mean, I really haven't had that many problems with, but yeah, yeah, maybe you, if, as long as it's like legal in the race or whatever, you could get something that like calms your stomach, but <laughs> I do. I want to try that now, like going through a race completely sleepy. <laughs> it's not really performance enhancing if it makes yeah, you like, super tired. Exactly. It can't be cheating if you're like stumbling around <laughs> drunk during the race. But, uh, yeah. but awesome. I don't know. I haven't checked the WADA list. Maybe if, if it's not on the if, world anti-doping thing, it's probably fine. But it probably is. Well, are you are you training for anything now, or do you have anything on the books? No. Well, this injury that I this massage. I was telling you earlier about the massage therapist that injured me, and I think it's it's either my hamstring or like the bursa where the hamstring attaches, but. Um, still figuring that out so I, I don't want to do any races until it's like completely healed but um yeah originally i was supposed to do desert solstice in december um but that I, I, i'm gonna have to cancel that because yeah i'm still injured so um yeah other than that um i might i guess right now i'm just gonna wait and see when I feel completely better and then sign up for something probably because I just I don't want to rush it I've been trying to I'll like think that I can come back and like train through it and then it doesn't work I think so Um, so have you done anything else like cycling or uh strength strength training I just started swimming, and swimming is something that doesn't okay. seem to bother it, so I'm, like, so happy that I can swim, so I just, like, swim laps, and then recently, um, I, the physical therapist that I started seeing and this pediatrician that's in my running club both said, like, to do eccentric hamstring uh, weight training exercises that'll, like, help, I guess it helps the hamstring tendons heal or recover or like so um and then i read some study too that they mentioned that um uh the sports team like had all their players do eccentric hamstring weight exercises and hardly any of them were injured yeah anyway so i started doing that 
Okay, because that's a big time injury in like football or basketball is a hamstring injury. Yeah, that's what like the pediatrician that I talked to. He worked with like a high school football team and that had those injuries, and he was telling me like yeah, it can take six months to recover, and it's been about six months since I've been. <sighs> but yeah, and also the. Or what were you going to say? I was just going to say, do, do you find it um, draining mentally, like not being able to go out and train or not being able to go out and run as as much as you'd like? Yeah, definitely, because, I mean, I mean, it's nice that I've found swimming and I can do that, but it's like I missed my running friends because we used to run together, and now oh, yeah. I can't run with oh, them. Yeah. And, uh, but I've, I've been volunteering at some races, and that's been good to stay involved. And uh, hopefully in a couple more months, it'll be back to normal. Yeah, but definitely. I'll just, yeah. Definitely. Well, we can't end the podcast on that, you know, kind of bummer. <laughs> Negative so, note. <laughs> all right. This is the last thing. Let me think. Um, What about either – Something hilarious, yeah. Something. What? What's something hilarious during a race that you've seen or has, ha- has happened to you? I was just—I don't know if this is the most funny thing, but um, I was talking to my friend yesterday about this podcast, and somehow it came up about like peeing during a run, and um, I was like, "This is going to be the only thing I remember because I just talked about it yesterday," but. Um, I was in one race and it was like pouring down rain for the race, like so bad, like you couldn't see anything in front of you. And I was like running with somebody talking and I was trying to win the race. And so we were like just talking and I had to pee and then, um, yeah, ended up like peeing while we're talking and running in the rain. <laughs> like not breaking eye contact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and that concludes episode 11 of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I just want to thank Natalie one more time. It was it was just comforting being able to nerd out <laughs> on ultra running with her and I hope for a speedy recovery from from her injury. For more of our episodes, uh, I mentioned at the beginning, you can go on iTunes, uh, you can subscribe to the Like a Bigfoot podcast, or you can find them on Facebook, or you can find them on our website, www.likeabigfoot.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I am just, I mean, I get done with these interviews and I just have a smile on my face. I love talking to people. Um, I love hearing about these crazy experiences and hearing about people trying to better themselves and do things that are challenging so hopefully this week you guys find something that's challenging um even if it's i mean you don't have to run 100 miles (laughs) for most of us that's pretty a pretty lofty goal (laughs) but even if you go outside and you know go on a couple mile hike that's awesome if if that's a if that's a challenge for you or something like a new experience for you go do it go do it because there's nothing better in life than to just experience it experience something new so go out have an awesome week and we will be back next week talking to one of the coolest guys i know slash the only Guinness Book of World Record holders I know. So tune in next week. It's going to be awesome. And we'll talk to you then.